All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Canucks fans. Your team is a wagon. It's confirmed. You're right up there with my Anaheim Ducks, who just traded for Cutter Goche. We get to that and a lot more on today's episode of Canucks Conversation, which is brought to you by our friends at Greta, the home of our electric watch parties. Greta is Canucks Army's spot to catch the game throughout the season playoffs and also our place to chill in the offseason. As I've got my Greta hat on right now, for those of you that are watching on YouTube, uh, let's start there, Harmon. Let's start with the game. That's where we need to start because a 6-3 win for those Wagon Canucks, as the title suggests, a 6-3 win uh, for the Canucks. They're right back at it tonight in Long Island against the Islanders. But let's start with last night's game. Uh, I'll go first. Elise Parson had a big game. Niels Huglander, we'll get to those guys. Thatcher Demko. I think that is the perfect time for Thatcher Demko to turn in a start like that. And I will eat a bit of crow right here on this podcast because on Rinkwide, after the game in New Jersey, I was throwing around the idea of, well, maybe Casey DeSmith gets this game. He'll start tonight in Long Island and for good reason. But I was throwing out the idea that maybe Demko just needed a little more time off. Looks like he just needed more time to play because last night he was dynamite for the Canucks against the Rangers. 39 saves on 42 shots against that's good for a 929 save percentage. And hey, we brought it up yesterday. There'd been a lot of starts where Demko hadn't posted a save percentage over 900, which is alarming when you're in the Vesna conversation. But last night goes toe to toe with Igor Shesterkin, the bright lights of New York, all that. And Demko comes up super clutch for the Canucks. I honestly thought he was the MVP for them last night. Yeah, he was terrific. And honestly, that game as a whole was a spectacular performance against 
an opponent like that breaking down this Rangers team that under Peter Laviolette has been really stingy defensively. They've been hard to break down. So for the Canucks, it's one thing to put up to, to put up eight goals on the Edmonton Oilers when they're a defensive and goaltending mess. It's one thing to dunk on the St. Louis Blues 5-0 early in the year when, when they're a mess, to put up 10 on uh, the hopeless Sharks, to to beat up on the Ottawa Senators or or even the, the Devils where their goaltending and, and defensive situation isn't particularly great. But to break down the New York Rangers with Igor Sesterkin in net, with the quality of blue line that they have, with how structured they've been this season as a whole, that's the type of performance that makes you rethink what the ceiling of this Canucks team could be. And, and what I loved about the the performance too was just the timing of it in the sense that with it being a marquee matchup against the New York Rangers, a lot of the Eastern media watching uh, games at MSG, that performance really, I think, woke woke up if the rest of the hockey world hadn't to the Canucks potential uh, for the rest of the season, not just as a play, uh, not just as a playoff team, but now as a legit threat in terms of, Oh, what could they do once they get into the postseason? And, and out of market media and fans got to see everything that makes this Canucks team special this season in terms of the top of the lineup, all your stars uh, are going Patterson, Miller, Besser, Hughes and Heronic turned in, I thought a spectacular performance as well. You had, but not not only that, but a balanced performance with the rest of the D pairs as well. Uh, you got the top to bottom scoring in the sense that bottom six, Nils Hoagland are stepping up. Uh, the Garland Joshua line uh, played well uh, too. And you get the great goaltending. Like this was the perfect encapsulation, the perfect one game sample for here's why the Canucks are such a dangerous team this season. You can say it. You can say they're a Stanley Cup contender and that you're totally on board with that after last night. Go ahead. You can say it. Are you saying it now? They keep doing this. How can you not, right? Like, and We got a preview of what it's going to be like when the Canucks and Rangers face off in the Cup final this year. 30 years after 1994, we should say. Uh, we got a sneak preview because the Canucks got zero power plays last night and they have not gotten a call lately. So the officiating is arriving a little bit early. Uh, the officials know that the Canucks are a Cup contender and they are officiating like the Canucks are already in the Stanley Cup finals against the New York Rangers. Um I, in all honesty, like I didn't really have a problem with the officiating last night. It's just funny when you look at it the, through that lens that, yeah, you know, uh, you don't get a power play last night. And the Canucks just haven't seemed to get calls uh, go their way lately. But hey, it hasn't affected them. And we don't even need to talk about it because you don't need a power play when you're scoring as well as the Canucks are at five on five. Harm, well, after the new... Yeah, go on. I, I wanted to really, really quickly say we were having this conversation last week about how good exactly are the Canucks? Are they a legit contender? And I I tease that. I thought there's a comp out there uh, elsewhere in the league that I thought reminds me a little bit of the Canucks, not exactly, but that they share some similarities. It's actually the New York Rangers. I didn't have a chance to get into it, but this idea that, okay, you both have stud goaltenders, which is a bit rare in the NHL these days. There's a, there's a shortage of quality starters. Of course they have Shesterkin, and Canucks have Demko. Uh, both also similar in the sense that profile wise, they're not dominant when it comes to five on five controlling play. When you look at shots or, or scoring chances necessarily, like it's easy for outsiders 
um, stats only people to look at a team like the Rangers or the Canucks and think, oh, they're, you know, they're nothing special. They're riding a hot shooting percentage or whatever. Uh, but because these two teams have both the goaltending and the star talent at the top of the lineup with, um, you know, the Rangers having Panarin and Zibanejad, uh, Kreider, Adam Fox as well, similar to how the Canucks have Quinn Hughes, that both these teams are going to outperform how well they control play and that they're going to be more efficient shooting-wise than most NHL teams because you have shooting threats like Pedersen, Miller, and Besser. And they're also going to get more saves than most teams. So uh, I've thought about that for a while in the sense that they do share some similarities. Also in the sense that the Rangers are also looking for scoring wingers to, to round out their top six as well. Um, Rangers also have a pretty well-balanced uh, defense, just like the Canucks do, which I never would have thought I said um, a year ago. It's pretty remarkable how quickly this management group has improved the blue line. Uh, but yeah, that's a quick sort of comp that came to mind. I know it's not perfect, but um, it was something I was thinking about last week. I like it. Last night was a night for me where I've been kind of on the brink of calling them a bona fide cup contender for a while now. But I think last night, one knock that against this team is that they haven't really had to take down the top teams. And when they face them, they haven't won or they haven't won handedly. Last night, the Rangers get booed off the ice each period. They get booed off the ice by their home fans at Madison Square Garden. Only a cup contender could make that happen. Uh, in all seriousness, though, I just wanted to bring this angle up because this is something I got I thought about a lot. Whenever this conversation comes up, people are like, well, they're good, but they don't have any playoff success or playoff experience, so it's hard to call them cup contender. I'm sorry, but if Rodgers and all these other fans all over Canada dubbed the Toronto Maple Leafs as a cup contender every single year for the past seven seasons, I'm sorry, the Canucks are right there too because they've won the same number of playoff games in that time. Actually, the Canucks have won more in that time um, than the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I just, I don't know, man. I I'm on board. I'm fully on board. And again, not trying to get too fanboy here, but holy cow, it's fun to watch hockey again in Vancouver. And quietly with Vegas and LA struggling lately, I think winning the division is a lot more realistic than even 10 days ago, because now you've got, what is it? A four point lead on, uh, on Vegas right now with an even games played between um, Vancouver and Vegas. And on top of that, they're nine points ahead of the Kings now. Now, Kings have four games in hand, but still, that's a significant edge to be holding. And also, it's too bad. We've referenced this a few times before uh, that the NHL doesn't have the 3 2 1 points, point system. But you look at it, the Canucks have 25 regulation wins. Vegas and LA have 17 and 18, respectively. So, if the NHL had a proper point system in place, it wouldn't even be close. But We've mentioned before that this division race, I think, is going to be extremely interesting to watch because don't think you want to run into uh, one of um, L.A. or Vegas, ideally in round one. That would kind of suck to be playing one of the better teams in, in the Western Conference in round one after such a strong season. But it's not just the division lead you have to be looking at, but also the Western Conference lead as a whole where... They're a little bit behind Winnipeg right now. And the reason that matters is you could finish first in the Pacific division and still end up playing the Edmonton Oilers in round one, which 
would be pretty unfair considering you've won the division. I think you'd much rather obviously finish, you know, and this is maybe getting a little bit ahead of myself. There's a, 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 a lot of the season remaining, but if you could somehow find a way to finish top of the West and even to avoid the Oilers, um, who I think will probably end up as the first wild card seed. Um, and then more likely that second wild card spot will, will go to a team like Nashville or Arizona, Seattle, maybe oh. where that would be, I think a much easier um, matchup. I'm really interested now. I can't believe we're in January and talking about potential playoff matchups, but so yeah. here for it. Well, we talked about how important first in the Pacific is, and you actually used it as a good counter argument when I was bringing up the idea of just going all in on this season. But if they're, if they're going to win the Pacific, you get the soft matchup in the playoffs, you got to go all in, right? Like if you're, if we're having the same conversation or the Canucks have a 10 point lead by the trade deadline, hundred percent, go get a Lasland home, go get those guys. And I'm sorry. I also have to mention this. A lot of people on Twitter see the clips of me talking about Elias Lindholm and like, well, what are you going to give up for him? I don't really care. Like that, that's the thing that it comes down to. I, I don't really care. Go all in, send it, make it, make it a good season, go deep in the playoffs. Well, one thing I'll say is I'm not opposed to aggressively buying at the deadline, but, and this is irrespective of what you think the, uh, of where you think the Canucks are at in terms of whether they're a contender or not, this would apply. I think to every contender in the NHL, which is, and I'm going to turn this into an article later this uh, week, maybe either this week or next at The Athletic, but looking at the biggest rentals of the last 10 years, and the math isn't actually that favorable in terms of the history. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. It's it's uh, it's on my other computer, but I think you had, I think I counted roughly 20 rental trades uh, where teams gave up a first round pick. Uh, and it was a pure rental, meaning you didn't re-sign the, the player at the end of the season. And only two of those 20 teams ended up winning a Stanley Cup, one being the 2021 uh, Tampa Bay Lightning with David Savard, which that move didn't even really put them over the top anyway because they acquired Savard to be a shutdown top four defenseman. And in the playoffs, he was averaging 14 minutes a night. Like he just did not earn the coaching staff's trust. The other was Antoine Vermette in 2015. Um and he had the odd key goal in the playoffs, um, but he was also the least used Chicago forward. So it's not as if he was, you know, single-handedly this um, this massive force. So I do think it's like it's going to be interesting once I've got the full list of examples to 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 sort of like showcase that. Hey, forget the Canucks for any serious contender. It just flat out you know, rentals may be sort of overrated um, if you're giving up a first round pick. Now, if you're looking at the second tier of rentals, always on board. Um, but that if you're swinging big and you're giving up first round pick, which I have no problem with, if the Canucks want to trade the first round pick this year, um, I'm not going to complain. But again, it's, it, it, is it worth it if it's just uh, for one playoff run? And um, that's, that's, I think, going to be a, a big debate. It's absolutely fair. And just before we get to Jeff Patterson here, um, I should also mention that this hunt for first in the Pacific, I wrote about this recently, like all of the Canucks games against the LA Kings come 
basically in the month of March. Like their first one comes at the end of February, and then the rest of them are fiddled out throughout the rest of the season. Like the home stretch is when these these three teams, including the Vegas Golden Knights, are going to play most of their games against one another. I know Vegas and LA have played each other more, uh, but for the Canucks, all of their matchups are still you know, still down the road against Vegas and LA. So these matchups are going to have heavy implications. Uh, Wyatt called this the biggest game of the season yesterday. I think for the reasons you mentioned, it was um, in terms of how many people were watching it as well, but also just Elias Pettersson. Uh, I just want to quickly talk about him before we get to Jeff Patterson. Of course, we'll continue the conversation afterwards and um, still have to preview the Islanders game, albeit briefly. Um Elise Patterson last night, two goals and two primary assists. I gave him that same stat line the night that he had one assist against New Jersey. I already talked about it yesterday. I talked about it on Rinkwide with Jeff as well, um, that Elias Patterson's kind of box-out effort was what led to Miller's goal. So he's been all over the ice. He's been fantastic once again. And the lotto line, again, really, really good. And again, I got to eat crow because yesterday I threw out the take that Hey, maybe against the Rangers who have a little bit more depth right now than the than the Devils did, maybe they give the Canucks other lines some fits, right? Like maybe maybe it becomes an issue that they're loading up the lotto line. Didn't seem to be the case, and I don't anticipate it'll be the case tonight against the Islanders as well. What did you think of the lotto line, and namely Elias Pettersson? Uh, unbelievable. I mean, just pulling out the full uh, bag of tricks, you can really start to see the not only the confidence, but Elias Patterson is just straight up having fun playing hockey again. It's it's just so much fun to watch him with uh, with Besser and, and Miller. They're legitimately unstoppable. And it's what I mentioned on yesterday's show that they can just score in so many different ways. That's what makes them unguardable when you have three players with elite skill who all think the game at a really high level that key. The, and then the X factor is that they're all willing to put in the dirty work on the four check to pursue the puck, uh, to battle in front of the net. Uh, they all have pretty good hand-eye coordination. They can score off deflections, rebounds, rush. It's, it's no wonder they've been absolutely feasting. And man, I'm just so excited to see uh, them go up against um, the Horvat and Barzell line tonight because that Horvat line has been really buzzing this year for the Islanders as well. You talk about entertainment value. Last night's game was extremely entertaining. There's storylines tonight, Harmon. There's storylines, and that's got to be number one, right? Those two two top lines going head-to-head. Uh, let's bring in Jeff Patterson, who, of course, will be breaking down this game, as well as every other Canucks game, on rink-wide Vancouver postgame. Jeff, I love the shirt choice. Well, a couple of things, guys, and thanks for having me on again. Uh, Botchard Project articles are going to roll out starting tomorrow. So it felt like uh, the timing was pretty good. And again, I heard you talking about Elias Pettersson, that goal last night. And I said, which goal? Only scored twice in the two primaries as well. Uh, he has scored a pair of goals in three of the last four games. Like he is all of a sudden finding this goal scoring groove. A lot of it is uh, with Lotto line. And Harm, you're so right. Like you can just see the spark there that he was being asked to carry uh, inferior players and was trying to do what he could, but you put him back with his old buddies and the magic is there and the winds are there. And it's funny because I have people coming at me on social wondering like, you know, how, how can this team keep it up in terms of the scoring? And you look, okay, 10 against San Jose and eight against the Oilers on opening night. Those were both in the first month of the season, but you go back to the game before Christmas against San Jose, they go seven, six against Ottawa, 
six in Jersey, six last night. Like, the, forget about like how are they going to keep it going? It feels like they're scoring more and more as they go deeper into this season. And so, uh, pretty remarkable the fact that they're doing it really without power play goals without power plays at all just three opportunities in their last four games and I, I pointed it out on Twitter like it's not hurting them right now uh, that they're not getting power play opportunities but they have only three opportunities in the last 240 minutes of hockey you're telling me that there's only been three infractions against the Canucks in 240 minutes of hockey but the problem is that they get out to these big leads and then game management takes over and you saw that again last night and so if they're not going to get power plays in the first period pretty good chance that they're not going to get power plays at all. And just to give you an idea how screwy it is, and it's a very small sample, I get that. Uh, we're only, what, 10 days into 2024. But already in the month of January, the Pittsburgh Penguins have had 17 power play opportunities in their <laughs> four games. The Canucks have had three. There are two teams that have scored five power play goals in the National Hockey League in the new year. The Canucks have had three opportunities. So uh, how do you figure out NHL officiating? You don't, but as was pointed out to me on social, and you mentioned a little bit there, Dave, look, maybe this is great preparation for the playoffs when the whistles <laughs> get put away and you do have to win games five on five. They're not relying on a power play that was out of this world good early in the season. And I keep coming back to Quinn Hughes in his last 24 games. He's got four power play points. The guy's got 50 points on the season. Like if the power play was humming in the last 20 games, he'd have 65 points at the midway mark. Of the See, like it is remarkable what he is doing and what the top end of this lineup continues to do for the Vancouver Canucks. I just want to point out to the people, I haven't even asked you a question yet. And we've got like nine minutes of content already. Jeff, I need to ask you about Quinn Hughes though, because yeah. I saw you throwing this on Twitter and I don't like the vibes, Jeff. Uh, does Quinn Hughes get to 20 goals? Because I saw you throwing some doubt there. I can't lose this bet to Faber after all the crap I talked early on. Well, uh, he's at 10 at the midway mark, or let's see, maybe he goes off tonight and scores four and will be well ahead of 10 at the midway mark. Uh, he's at 10 at 40, which is incredible. And we all thought this guy's too talented, fucks on his stick too much. He means too much to the Canucks not to be able to get to double digits. So he's taking care of that, but his lone goal in the last 15 games was the high flippy empty netter against the San Jose Sharks just before Christmas. So goal scoring has dried up. Some of that's the power play that I just mentioned that it goes hand in hand and the 20 game splits back that up. I mean, the power play was 30% in the first 20 games and it's around 15% over the last 20. So, um, you know, I'm not concerned, but I do think that it's going to be difficult for him to, to get to 20. I mean, it would be an incredible accomplishment. I'm more focused, Dave, on a hundred points and, I come back to this idea that he's at 50 right now through 40 games. Now, the schedule does get tougher, but that doesn't seem to phase this group and the way that they played last night and scored six against a, a really good Rangers team, but four left with LA, three against Vegas, three against Winnipeg, two left with Colorado, two against Boston. Uh, they had one more against Carolina, uh, one against the Leafs. Like, you know, they're going to see a lot of the good teams in the National Hockey League more in the second half than they did in the first. So, you know, I think you take that context into play. But then I come back to this idea that, it, you know, if they can just get the power play uh, back up to even league average, you know that Quinn Hughes is going to factor in that. And so, man, like what a fascinating discussion to be able to have at the midway mark. Like, I laughed just as I was waiting to join you, and I hear you talking about, well, if they've got a 10-point lead at the trade deadline, but, <laughs> but that's the world we're living in right now. And so, like, it's incredible. Like, the fun has totally returned, and, and it's been there for a while now. But just to feel 
you could feel it on social last night as the Canucks roared into Madison Square and just punched the Rangers square in the face. And, you know, to do it on a big stage like that and on a night when there wasn't a lot of hockey being played, like, I think people, hey, I've heard about the hype. I'm going to tune in. And if they didn't watch in Jersey the other night, then maybe they watched last night. And for Patterson, that lotto line and, you know, on the Besser goal, like that was a big goal to make it three to one. They had been outshot in the first period, but uh, the play that Quinn Hughes makes just to back off at his own blue line and sort of, you know, scan the ice, wait until his play developed. And the way that he's able, like, that's what he does. He's just a maestro out there. He controls, he basically you know, draws the Rangers into the places that he wants them to be and then feeds it up ice to Pedersen and on to Besser and they score. And so, you know, if the Rangers get out of that first period, they're probably disappointed that they're down a goal, but at two to one, no big deal. But three to one, I thought was a, a kick in the in the junk for the Rangers there. And then obviously the goals that they scored in the second period and PD, I mean, the hand, eye and the patience and the poise and everything. That's why I figured I should wear the bro, do your deeks because man, did he ever. And I know on Rinkwad last night, we were trying to come up with this idea like, you know, was that his best goal ever in the National Hockey League? I think I still stick to, Remember the one against Columbus at home when he came out of the penalty box and he seemed like he was fueled by rage of being yeah. sent to the penalty box mm-hmm. and picked up the puck and just gained like 20 yards on the Columbus defender and and has rolled past and got tripped up and still scored. I think to me that's still uh, number one on my list, but there are, I mean, we were watching some YouTube videos of his best goals last night and lots to choose from, but the one last night uh, I think you know is now in that conversation as well. I gotta say that one in uh, that one in Columbus. Sorry, Harm. The one with Columbus. That's the one with his leg. His leg ended up in the air, and he posted that photo everywhere. I also just want to say I think his first goal also deserves some credit because yeah, Mike Smith still looking for that puck to this day. Anyways, Harm, what's your question? Yeah, no, I was just gonna say you also brought up a great point in the sense that I think this team is starting to capture uh, a lot of the casuals as well because. Uh, I, I'm part of a Snapchat group with my friends and a bunch of them are sending videos of the Canucks game. And I'm like, since when did you guys become hockey fans? Like, I didn't think you guys are tuned in at all. Um, but obviously the lotto line was a huge part of the entertainment value. And uh, I think a lot of us are hopeful that they can stick together as long as possible. Long term, though, as we discuss rest of the season, potential playoff matchups, do you think the Canucks have enough depth to be able to stick with the lot of line um, as a consistent trio, maybe if they even pick up a forward at the deadline. Uh, I mean, I see the pitfalls, but I'm all about riding it right now. Um, why wouldn't you, the way that they're going, the fun that they're having, you know, they're going to run into some nights where other teams have selkie candidates and have goalies that stand on their head and the matchup just doesn't work for them. They're not going to score eight points a night for the rest of the the season. That's just not the way it works. But, you know, why wouldn't you ride the hot hand? So, yeah, I mean, I I still believe that, you know, now that they've got all these healthy defenders, I I think that they want to see what that looks like. I'm really curious to see uh, if Rick Tockett holds to his word about uh, almost having a rotation uh, going back-to-back here in three and four. So find out who's in the lineup uh, for the Canucks tonight. But up front, uh, you know, you essentially have one top line when you put those three together and then three bottom six, although the way that Bluger line going, I mean, that's one of the best third lines in the National Hockey League, obviously, but it's so important. Like rather than getting drunk on that third line, like Teddy Bluger was brought in to be a fourth line center. Like when they signed him on July 1st, people were like, 
eh, if that's your third line answer, that's not good enough. And then, of course, they went out and got Pia Suter, and people were like, okay, that's going to bump Bluger down to a fourth line where he should be. And he could be a very good, valuable piece as a fourth line center. All of a sudden, now he's essentially uh, riding, you know, shotgun with I mean, two wingers that are just playing lights out good. And but just, I think it's important to remember that essentially this guy was brought in to be a fourth line center. And and so, yeah, they're going to face other good teams that will be able to at least neutralize, uh, if not entirely shut down the lotto line. And then I think you, you come back to the question: Is there enough depth there? Is there enough scoring? Questions remain about Kuzmenko. I think there's some questions about Ilya Mikheyev and his scoring that has disappeared right now. Not that he's playing poorly, but one goal in his last 12 games as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that uh, uh, it's been fun. Uh, they are on an absolute roll. And when they're together, that lotto line can be one of the best lines in the NHL, the way that it was a couple of years ago when it was first assembled. But uh, I don't think you can get carried away here if there is an opportunity to upgrade what you've got in your top six. I, I do think that uh, management's going to have to look long and hard at rewarding this group for its efforts and try to bolster this lineup ahead of the deadline. Uh, Jeff, Nils Huglander with two goals last night. Talk about him, but also Pia Suter. Like, Pia Suter had a really nice play on that second Hoaglander goal to really set up the goal. Uh, how impressive have you been with him? And, like, how instrumental is he in keeping the lotto line and the the whole lineup as it is currently constructed, like how important is he right now to this team? Well, let me, I'll get to that in a sec, but let me just throw back a question at you. Uh, because at the end of the year, the Canucks are going to come up with their unsung hero, right? And in a market like this one, where every player is dissected a thousand different ways, I mean, I always find it hard that there is anybody that's truly unsung. Every story is written uh, a thousand times over about these guys. But like at the start of the year, I was like, all right, Phil Giuseppe starts in the top six. This guy's earned his spot. Like, you know, pretty good candidate to be unsung hero. And then like 10 games in, I'm thinking, man, Ian Cole, like what a pickup for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, he's just quietly going about his business. And and then, you know, Teddy Bluger gets back from injury and you look at what he's done and you're thinking, this is amazing. Uh, Pia Suter is the guy that nobody talks about, but like he's just such a smart player and you can see it and you can hear it whenever Rick Talkett is asked about him, like just how much he appreciates uh, positionally, this guy puts himself in the right spots. He's been asked to play different positions and in different parts of the lineup. And every time he does, uh, he seems to win his share of battles, never gets scored on. And there's enough offense there. Uh, and that's where I come back to this idea that when Bluger was signed, it was like, yeah, there's got to be other options out there. And they play the waiting game and they get Pia Suter at an affordable price point. And he's just been so good. Uh, a lot of the underappreciated things that aren't going to make headlines. There's more star power, obviously, around him that people are drawn to. But I do think that on this team, like, he is a really, really valuable piece. And I'm just, whenever I get the chance to watch him live at Rogers Arena, if you watch him on TV, it's a little bit different. But just you know, being at the games live and you can see guys away from the puck and some of the reads and the tracking and those types of things. And it's like he never misses. Like, he just, he checks off every box. So I've just been so impressed with the Hockey IQ I'll admit that I didn't know a ton about the player uh, outside of the box card numbers uh, at the outset of the season, but uh, really have been drawn to uh, just how well he's played and considered too that he missed a, a significant chunk there and not an injury that's easy to come back from, and he has not skipped a beat. So uh, really been impressed with uh, the addition of Pia Suter. Yeah, I mean, you look at him, you look at Nils Huglander, like I said, two goals in like 10 minutes of ice time last night. I'm going to give you one because you asked me. The Unsung hero for this team, Casey DeSmith. Sure. I'm going to say Casey DeSmith. I think oh, that's who gets the vote. 
and I've got lots of time. I mean, Adam, the long list. I mean, this, as it turns out, this may be the toughest decision to make. We know that defensemen, top defensemen, that's not going to be a tough one uh, for the Canucks. Uh, MVP ultimately might be. I mean, there's certainly going to be some candidates, and it sounds like they're all going to the All-Star game now. Uh, but, I mean, you know, what does that say about the work that the pro scouting and the management group have done that there are this many candidates at the midway mark that I think you could sit down and legitimately build a strong case to be the unsung hero uh, on a hockey club. Uh, Jeff, the Canucks continue to listen to you and I. Casey DeSmith starts <laughs> tonight. Uh, Noah Juleson back in the lineup for Ian Cole. Maintenance is what Tockett said, and that is exactly what you suggested in your ponderings in Patterson's point uh, on Sunday. No surprise, obviously, for you, but do you like this move from the team? Well, I do, because, I, I, again, credit to Noah Juleson. You want, there you go, another candidate, I suppose, the way that he's played. You can throw him on the unsung heap <laughs> as well. Uh, and when you think of his start to the season, it wasn't great. Uh, and then hadn't come out of the lineup uh, since November 11th against Toronto uh, before he sat last night. I, I'm still, a, like, you know, I'll take them at face value about Zadorov being dinged up in Jersey, but I do wonder if, you know, like, uh, Rick Tockett loves his lefty righties and somebody had to come out to make room for Carson Soucy. They said it was nothing. Zadorov got back in there and he played, but no, I like this. Ian Cole's going to be 35 next month. This guy's done everything in the NHL. He doesn't need to play a game against the Islanders on the 9th of January. Like that's not where the value of Ian Cole comes in. And this is three and four. I know there's not a lot of travel, uh, when you're there in the metropolitan area, but, uh, still it's the middle of a lengthy road trip in the dog days of the season. Uh, if they have the opportunity with seven healthy defensemen that can play, I think load management is absolutely the way to go. And I did write about that on Sunday. Uh, you know, so, I, yeah, uh, good on the Canucks. Uh, you know, we're talking, it wasn't just lip service yesterday when he was asked about it, said it could be a rotation. Curious to see how far that rotation goes because, uh, and I think this is sort of the snag in all of this, guys, is that Tyler Myers needs to play all 82 to get to a thousand games on the final night of the regular season in Winnipeg uh, of all places as well. And you know, full well, a guy that's out of contract, that's going to be 34 here uh, on February the 1st, you know, I, I, right shot guy, the season that he's having, there's probably a contract out there for him somewhere next season. But if they sit him down, if they ask him to sit down for a game, you know that he knows the math as well. And I think that's going to be a really, really difficult conversation for a guy that has taken a beating here, has never lived up to his contract. But I, I think he's actually had a really nice bounce back season for the Vancouver Canucks. He's not a perfect player. Uh, he's going to make mistakes. They're loud because he's so big. He stands out. But he has, you know, looked at it today. I mean, among defensemen in the NHL that don't have a power play point, He's second in scoring to Jacob Slavin. Like there's only one guy in the league that has more points without a power play point than Tyler Myers. So, you know, we all talk about Hughes and his production and Heronic to a lesser degree. Like Tyler Myers is on pace for a 35 point season as a, you know, a depth defender uh, who is just finding ways, obviously get the puck up to the forwards and they're doing so much scoring this year that uh, everybody's going to pick up their points when they go here. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is the right call for uh, for Ian Cole and for the hockey club and and for Noah Juleson, who Rick talking to Sam, like it was a tough decision to bring him out of the lineup based on the way that he has played over the last couple of months. Jeff, I was just reading the YouTube live chat. People are chiming in on this conversation about the unsung hero. People throwing out Dakota Joshua. We got a Patrick Alvarez now. Dakota Joshua, come on. Like, Dakota Joshua has got all the love in the world. Like, I, I think he's, 
I think he's evolved. He's, he's, he's leveled up past the unsung hero. I think everybody in this market thinks that he's going to get paid and he's having the kind of season. So uh, that's why, like, it, it, you know, there are no firm guidelines on unsung heroes, but I just, in a market like this one where everybody's story is told so many times, like it is truly hard to get two people to agree on what constitutes like a legitimate unsung hero. But I think Dakota Joshua has uh, sort of emerged last year under Tockett and the season that he's had here. Uh, I, I have trouble seeing him as unsung in the Vancouver market. If memory serves, he was the unsung hero last year, wasn't he? Like, wasn't he? Didn't he actually win unsung hero last season? Or am I completely <sighs> I, misremembering? I'd have that? to go back. It's one of those things that doesn't stick with me year over year. So uh, I don't think guys set out at the start of the year to be the unsung. They, look, they'd all want to be the MVP, right? Like, this is a consolation prize to some degree. Uh, it's nice to be acknowledged, I suppose, but nobody starts the season thinking I'm I'm going to be the unsung hero this year. Marcus Granlin would like a word, Jeff. It was it was Joshua. I had to Google it. Yes, Joshua won it last year. And Marcus Granlin, like I said, that's the most memorable unsung hero in my mind is Marcus Granlin, who played with the Sidians that season and got his unsung hero award and walked away. Jeff, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. And uh, just one quickly on year-end awards. Didn't David Booth win the most exciting player of the year? The Sedins won, like, the, the Hart and the Art Ross. Like, there, there are times you just have to look at the year-end awards and think, mm, not so much. Oh, that's great. That's a nice trip down memory lane. We're going to have to continue that, I'm sure. We're going to yeah. have to continue that. Thanks so much, Jeff. All right, guys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There he is, Jeff Patterson. Check him out on Rinkwide Vancouver tonight, wherever you get your podcasts. And also, a lot of people, people are pointing it out in the YouTube chat. There's more people with each win that this team picks up. There's more people tuning into this show. So if you're new here, make sure you hit subscribe, hit that bell. We go live Monday to Friday at 2 p.m., except for yesterday, which threw off a lot of people. 2 p.m. every day, Monday to Friday, we are live. I'm not around tomorrow. It's going to be you and Irfan Gafar sitting in the host chair uh, at our regular studio at Sheraton Wall Center. We're not there today. But again, thanks to Jeff and people. Check out Rinkwide Vancouver, where Harmon and I our regular hosts. Okay, uh, I threw out some lineup 
information at you, Harmon. Um, I don't think we need to dissect any further the decisions. We knew DeSmith was going to start. And hey, I think we're both pretty happy to see Noah Juleson get back in. Um, again, Jeff wrote about the load management aspect for the Canucks. And we talked about it yesterday, too. And I think we both agree that it's a good move for the Canucks. Uh, anything you're watching tonight in this matchup against the Islanders? To me, it's just the head-to-head Horvat versus Lotto line. That's going to be so fun to watch. Obviously, the Canucks on um, second leg of a back-to-back may not have as much juice, although, as JPAT pointed out, there isn't as much um, travel when you're in that sort of New York area uh, for those three games. I think that's really where the game lies because the Islanders don't have uh, a ton of depth, and their blue line, I'm curious to see... As of last week, it was still banged up. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't had a chance to see the Isles lines yet, but um, I'm looking at what their D pairs look like because, like a week week and a half ago, they were they were um, they were pretty rough there in terms of the number of guys that were um, were out um, and just that head to head at the top lineup because the Isles aren't a particularly deep team um offensively and if and so if you can win that matchup at the top of the lineup you're really going to love the Canucks odds um in tonight's game even though they are the um last rested team all right you nailed it yesterday uh I think that enters you in to win a $25 gift card you absolutely crushed light the lamp and you texted us immediately and said I finally won a light the lamp you nailed it yesterday uh, you nailed it. And I, hey, I got to give you all the praise in the world for guessing that correctly. We're going to try to do it again right here, right now. Because Vancouver is playing New York tonight, and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a $25 gift card to the Four Winds Tap Room located at 72nd and River Road in Delta. Enter by following us on social media. Keep an eye out for today's show clip and comment who you think will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight. Winners will be contacted directly. Check us out at Canucks Army or at Canucks Convo on Twitter, at CanucksArmy.com on Instagram, and Canucks Army on Facebook. And make sure you ask about Four Winds Light light lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered to your front door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. I'm sticking with my guy. I am going with Elias Pedersen. I'm going with JT again. He's the guy that the Canucks picked over Bo Horvat. He scored the last time these two teams met. And with how well that line has been rolling, I, I think he'll feast again. And people wanted to see it. People want to see the last time these two teams played and people are in the chat again saying, I hope Miller drops the clubs with Bo Horvat. Look, we talk about cinema. We talk about storylines with these teams and we talk about how exciting it was to watch them play against the Rangers last night. A Bo Horvat versus JT Miller brawl might break the internet uh, to be completely Yeah, honest. but look, when you're a team of the Canucks caliber, you don't need to bring yourself down to the level of a team like the Islanders. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, best, just like Noah Juleson the other day when uh, Zach, when Zach McEwen was trying to chase him, chase him for a fight. Um, you know, sometimes you're just, you're, you're too good for that kind of stuff. That's right. Noah Juleson. There's another one. He's my light the lamp pick uh, for the day. But I mentioned the YouTube live chat. Let's dive into it. Let's see what people are saying. Our lovely listeners and viewers, I should say. People, get your anyone else's in because, as you guessed, it's time for anyone else presented by DoorDash. It is our listeners' chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or 
more. 25% off zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION, and the numbers to five. Offer valid in Canada, subject to change, terms do apply. Make sure you go check it out, DoorDash. And if you haven't used it yet, use the code. You're saving money. It's a great, great promo code. Make sure you go check it out. Uh, okay, we got a few here. I want to see these. Uh, also, people in the YouTube live chat should also know when you throw out your pick, it's not entered. So for the light the lamp contest, you need to find the social post. As I say in the ad read, people should listen to my ad reads. Um, you go find the social post and you reply to that. That's how you're entered in to win the $25 gift card. So make sure you do that uh, when it's posted later. Shout out to uh, Robert. Robert, our socials guy at Canucks Army. He does a fantastic job. And shout out to Grady, of course, our technical producer who cuts all of our clips. And like I said, Lachlan as well, who's our intern right now. Okay, I'm trying to kill some time because not many anyone else is in. But uh, people are throwing out Adam Foote as the unsung hero as well. We're just getting these off-ice unsung heroes. And I absolutely love it. And yeah, the... It, I was wondering how long it would take for this to be coming up, but a lot of conversation right now about Jim Benning and how when you're seeing what this team's capable of right now, it's just like they could have had this years ago, right? Like, like they could have had this years ago. They could have had no OEL buyout. They could have had all of these great things so long ago if they hadn't employed Jim Benning for as long as they did. I'm glad you went in that direction and not the other, like, we had just been talking about unsung heroes and all oh, the Canucks are successful now. And you bring up Jim Benning's name. And I'm like, you better not be talking about Jim Benning as an unsung hero for constructing this core. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is really the huge difference in the Alvin era is the ability to find effective um, depth players all throughout the lineup. I mean, even look at the ice times in last night's game on the blue line how small the differential was because you have six, actually now seven defensemen, including Juleson that you can trust where 1846 was Carson Soucy as um, the defenseman who played the least minutes for the Vancouver Canucks. Quinn Hughes led the way with only 2149. That's uh, like awesome to be able to do um, as a luxury in, uh, in early January, especially because of how many early points the Canucks have banked, but also because of, how well all of these guys are playing right now. Susie coming back from injury, I thought has uh, been really effective. You can see how high quality his defensive play is in and around the net. Um, his stick's always in the right position. He breaks up plays, uh, makes poised decisions with the puck. Uh, you love to be able to have that type of depth, and you just never had that in the Jim Benning regime, whether it was up front or on the back end, um, even in net at times. Uh, can we get these quotes up, Grady? These were courtesy of Thomas Drance, uh, who's on the road, talking to Quinn Hughes. Parm, I found these really interesting, and I'm glad you brought up Quinn Hughes because, yeah, the, the ice time was low, and that was awesome to see. Uh, Elise Patterson as well, 1906 of ice time. Uh, this one from Hughes, and there's two here, but I'll read the first one. I wish I could tell you guys that I'm having the best year of my life and that everything is rainbows, but it's still a lot of stress. In my mind, I'm already thinking about tomorrow. And then this next one here. It's because I think about how the last three years transpired. I wish I could enjoy it. I hope at some point I can. And at some point, I'm sure I'll look back at the end of the year and be proud. But right now, there's 40 games left. I just want to keep pushing. 
this is the damage that Jim Benning did. Quinn Hughes can't even enjoy what's happening right now because he's having flashbacks to the past three years. The guy's on base for 100 points. And I, I'm joking around, of course. Uh, it, it's really nice. It's, it's good to see if you're a fan of this team. It's good to see Quinn Hughes uh, kind of staying even keel like that. And that's something Talkit focused on post game as well. Just the team's ability to stay even keel and not get too high or too low. Because I think that's something that has been a knock on them in past years is just the volatility of this team. And hey, we, we've, we've lived through it. We've seen it. And like Hughes, we all want to forget the last three years. Okay, this one is one I wanted to focus on because I wrote it down in my notes last night when I was doing instant reaction. Charlie Cole, after seeing Kuzmenko backing off the forecheck last night, do you guys think he'll ever buy into the Tocket system? Last night was the first night, Harmon. Maybe not first, but... I, I watched it, and with the way this team suffocates you on the forecheck, the way that everybody is going 110% for all 30 seconds, or if you're the Quinn Hughes, two minutes and 30 seconds of your shift, Kuzmenko sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, when Kuzmenko eases off the forecheck, or he does that stupid beaver tail thing when he's forechecking, and, like, lets up and is like scared to initiate contact. It looks like he's scared to get hit from behind. It's just, and I shouldn't say scared to get hit from behind who isn't, but scared to have any contact when he has his back turned to the play. Like you need, you need to step it up. You absolutely need to step it up if you're Andre Kuzmenko. And it's just that, like, I, I think you can maybe get away with it. I think you are getting away with it. If you're Andre Kuzmenko, when Linus Carlson is the only other guy that they could put in. But when Phil Giuseppe comes back, like if Phil Giuseppe was healthy right now, Kuzmenko has to be a healthy scratch tonight in Long Island. I'm sorry. Has to be. Like, he was abysmal last night. Just, I, I don't understand what it is with this player where he he's clearly making the decision in his head to not forecheck. Like, he, he's making that decision. That. What is it then? Well, I just don't think he has a skating, and some guys just don't have that, have that motor on them. They don't have that I, Connor Garland mo- motor, but, and that's not always something that look i'll say this andre kuzmenko could be going 110 percent every shift and i still don't think he'd ever be a good four checker now That's can fine. you improve absolutely there's always room for improvement but some let me put it this way not every guy in the nhl is going to be an above average four checker it's just that simple and that's not me to be to be very clear that's not me trying to defend kuzmenko or um, or say that Rick Tockett is wrong by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying he does not have the skill set to be a good forechecker. At some That's point, fine. at some mm-hmm. point, you just have to understand that this is not who this player is. This player's skill set um, is based off his hands, his offensive creativity, his finishing in and around the net. Although obviously this season it's been a bit of a struggle in that regard. And you as a team have to make a determination of whether that skill set suits your team or not. Harm, that's fine. I'm not I'm not saying he needs to be a fantastic four checker. What I'm saying is like don't let up before you're about to throw a hit. Skate if you can st- skate in a straight line, you can four check. Like if you can skate and not let up, you can four check. Slow. Me I'm knees. telling you like he's not trying his hardest. You know he's not skating as well, hard even, as he can. Well even even sometimes when like occasionally he'll score a goal and for the next for the rest of the game you'll see him really hustling hard. Sure we'll give him the like out of pity, we'll point out that oh, that was that was a good forecheck there. He he won that battle, but even when he's going 110, percent he is not a good forechecker. 
you don't need to be a good four checker, but when you're when you're letting up, and that's what I'm saying, you're making a decision not to hustle. You just pointed out when he scores, he can hustle. When you're making the decision not to hustle, it throws off the entire four check. And talk, it's highlighted. This I agree. So many times. I agree. It's it's a problem. But so my, my point, you don't. Yeah, yeah. Go on. My point is just that at some point like, he's not going to change. Like you can't. And, and I don't even think it's necessarily like a. Oh, he's not. He's there's a clear lack of, of effort. I, again, some, some guys just don't have it. Like look around the NHL, no matter how many coaches guys sometimes cycle through, uh, no matter what, what pressure they're under, they just can't do certain things. Just like some players can't stick handle a puck the way Kuzmenko can. Kuzmenko can't forecheck the same way other guys can, regardless of whether he's not, regardless of whether his motor is running at 70% or 95%. I, I, I'm just, I, I just, I'm just saying skate to the position and skate hard. I'm not saying you need to be really good at intercepting passes or getting in with your stick. Cause that all goes into four checking as well. I'm not saying you need to be a good four checker. I am saying you need to four check. You don't need to be great at it. Yeah. You just need to skate. You just need to move your feet. That's all you need to and, do. And this is my point. Even when he hustles and moves his feet, he's still too slow. Like, but you, he's still, you know, he's never going to know. He's still in the right position and he's forcing the defenseman to make a play. That's what four checking is all about. He's forcing them to make a play when he's giving them time and space for no reason or not finishing his checks. That's where Tockett's going to have issues. And that's where I took a lot of issue with his game last night, as did Charlie Cole, who said, uh, I didn't mean to make you guys fight with a bunch of sad faces. Well, and here's the thing, like, ultimately, I'm still like I'm playing devil's advocate on this side in, in the sense that I just don't think Kuzmenko is ever going to be a Rick Tockett player and is ever mm-hmm. going to fit in this sort of system for what they want. Um, but like, make no mistake. I agree with you that his lack, like he's just not a fit with, with the way they want to forecheck with the way, way they want to play. Uh, I, I don't have a huge problem with the way Tockett's honestly handled Kuzmenko's deployment. I'm not up here saying, Oh, Kuzmenko hasn't deserved to be scratched and I don't have any problems with his play without the puck. I'm just saying those are warts and I don't think they're going away. Uh, So you're either going to have to live with it or you're going to have to trade him. And I think at this point um, it's becoming pretty clear that it's not really a fit with this team. Zachary Wilson had this two two comments I want to get to. Zachary Wilson said Kuzi needs to take four checking lessons from Hoaglander. Imagine. And that's what I come back to, Harm. Like you said, not everybody can four check. When is he gonna yeah. have Hoaglander's speed? For four years, we watched the same guys that we're watching right now being good at four checking, not four check. Like that was a problem with Dakota Joshua. That was a problem with Nils Hoaglander. These guys not four checking. Nils Hoaglander was to... always a good four checker. Yeah, okay, but his letting problem up, was turning about... it over. Sure, sure, sure. I'm talking about letting up and not hustling 100% of the time. That's that's where issues have come up in the past. And this is another comment uh, from Jeremy Lee. He said, are, par- are players like Panarin expected to back check, though? Whenever I hear comments like this, I always go back to a, a quote that we got from Bruce Boudreaux at a morning skate when he was talking about Niels Hoaglander. And Bruce was a little harsh, but he said, I think Niels needs to learn how to play the game. If you're going to score 40 goals, that's one thing. Alex Ovechkin, how you doing? But if you're going to hover around the 20 goal mark, you better learn how to play without the puck. And that was the quote from Bruce Boudreaux. And this is just what I keep coming back to with Kuzmenko is 
okay, if you're at 39 goals, maybe you can look past it. But when you're not scoring, you can't be letting up like that. And I just, I don't know, I, I, I took a lot of issue with it last night, especially knowing that, you know, to some extent, I'm not 100% uh, willing to rule out the fact that the player might realize that there's nobody there to replace him. And yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I've seen a lot more hustle from him. I, I think the main point we're just disagreeing on is that I think we both agree his forechecking defensive play is not good enough. It's not a fit. I think the point where, where we're disagreeing is um, you're sort of making the case that he has to show more. He has to show more. And I'm just at the point where I'm like, you're not going to get more. Like, I think that that's where we're I'm just at the acceptance phase that this is kind of who he is. Uh, and I mean, you like you see it sometimes when you're watching the tape, like quietly. There was one I was looking at before he had recently been scratched um, the game before where he'd been benched in the third period. I can't remember which game I was going back and looking at the shifts to just see like, okay, was there something egregious that I missed? And it's just like first shift of the game, Kuzmenko's covering Kuzmenko's on like the right wing. The defense make a DDD pass. And I think it's Lafferty who is chasing the defenseman on the right side. And Kuzmenko, for some inexplicable reason, chases after that defenseman as a second forward, even though he has no chance of closing and winning the puck back. And the defenseman just passes it, goes D to D again. Now, all of a sudden, that like neutral zone right side that Kuzmenko should have been in terms of being in the right spot is vacant. Um, and the other team entered the zone on that side. And I'm just like, yeah, I understand why Rick talk why Rick Chalk Rick Rick Talkett, um gets driven nuts by some of these um plays. But yeah, again, my point is just this is who he is. I, I don't see a lot improving. I just think I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen him hustle. And I've seen it, especially on nights where he gets back into the lineup after being a scratch. And I'm not sure it's, oh, you're gonna send a message, because it's not even about message sending at this time. If you're if you're the player here, you need to start. You need to Fire up your engine by yourself. It can't be a, on the coach to keep benching you and make you, you know, hustle for a game and then stop as soon as Phil Giuseppe's hurt. I don't know. I was I was really bothered last night when I was watching uh, Andre Kuzmenko play. Okay, uh, we'll move on. I'm cutting off the Kuzmenko conversation. We can agree to disagree on this one. Uh, this one from Nuckhead, and we'll close out on this one, Harm, before we get to our Betway Bet of the Day. Are you guys all in for this being the year? I really believe in this team. How many terrible starts can we expect from Edmonton moving forward? LA is only getting better. In the same vein, someone brought up, uh, imagine the West Coast Express team if they didn't have Dan Kluche in net. Like, maybe that team missed going all in, right? Um, and every time I bring up the West Coast Express, I need to mention uh, a lot of the history and knowledge we have of those teams comes from Scott Rintoul's series that he did, his podcast series. Go check it out. Fantastic um, episodes about the West Coast Express. But you just think about those teams, right? You, you you think about those teams and I don't know, man. I just, I, 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 think, about, I think about this team and what they're doing right now. And I, I, keep, I keep coming back to, what are you going to build toward if you keep if you keep your first round pick and you're, you know, I understand you want to be in the playoff hunt every year, but are you ever going to have a chance like this where you've got Thatcher Demko for a good price? You've got Quinn Hughes on a phenomenal contract. You don't really have to worry about the OEL buyout. You've still got Elias Pettersson on his contract. You've still got Philip Ronick on that contract. I don't know. I, I just think you go for it. I think you go for it this year. Yeah, and... 
I'm with you in the sense that this year's first rounder, I, I have no problem with uh, with moving it for the for the right piece. And again, I'm not sold yet on the idea of doing it for a rental. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a later first round pick. You know, it's not going to be in the top half of the first round at the very least. And I'm much more willing to part ways with that rather than, let's say, a 2025 first rounder, which uh, th- that's an important distinction, too, because 2025, you, you never know what's going to happen in the NHL in terms of injuries, uh, horrible luck, offseason moves that go wrong. And we've seen teams like San Jose and uh, and Ottawa deal future first rounders and they end up being lottery sort of top five picks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, late for and, and that's the other thing, right? First round picks aren't made equal. There's a huge value drop when you have a first round pick that's, let's say, um, in the 20 to 32 range as opposed to top 10 top 15 pick there's a huge value differential even though first round pick sounds the same um i mean even even with the isles trade that's why we were so excited about that first round pick and its value because it was okay like that's going to be a middle of the first round pick not deep into the 20s whereas obviously this year for the canucks um it's going to be in the second half. And um, again, you look at the probabilities of actually landing an impact NHL player um, in the twenties, it drops off pretty dramatically. So yeah, if if you find the right piece, hopefully somebody with team control, um, I'm not opposed at all to dangling that as a, as a trade chip. Uh, Nuckhead bringing up that Myers and Cole, their contracts come off the books. That's 9 million right there. Go get Elias Lindholm extend them and yes i know you need to replace myers and cole and it's probably going to cost a little bit to end up doing that and of course as i mentioned you've got some other stuff to take care of you know you know what we've done really well Harmon. we haven't talked about elias Pettersson or his contract basically at any point and we're going to continue that streak because we're closing out today's show uh with our bet way better the day but we'll see if you and earth i'm sure you guys will get into it tomorrow as frank saravalli joins you guys so folks i won't be here tomorrow but make sure you listen in as Harmon and earth on gaffar do ad reads together uh, okay, let's get to our Betway Better the Day brought to you by our friends over at Betway and Harmon. You already knew. You already knew what I was going to bring in. As oh, the my Betway goodness. The That's right, baby. If you're feeling it, the Vancouver Canucks to win the Stanley Cup in 2023-2024. And these odds are going to go up when they trade for Elias Lindholm. A $10 bet right now at plus 1,100 odds returns you $120 when they lift Lord Stanley's mug over at Betway. Must be 19 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Okay, in all seriousness, bring up the odds here, Grady, because I included these two because I was doing a bit, of course, as I as I typically do. Um, these odds, I don't know if we can get that zoomed in at all, but right now, three teams with plus 900 odds have the best or worst. I don't even know how Grady wants us to say it. Grady's the betting guy. He's like, oh yeah, you got to say it's the worst or the low, lowest, lowest odds, which means they have the best. Anyways, people who understand what I'm talking about, uh, the team with the best odds at winning the cup right now, uh, plus 900 for the Colorado Avalanche, the Edmonton Oilers, and the New York Rangers. Right behind them, the Boston Bruins at plus 1,000 with the Winnipeg Jets. And then there's three teams right after that at plus 1,100, and your Vancouver Canucks are included in that with the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. The Canucks are basically going to win the cup is what I'm trying to tell you on this show right now. It's, it's confirmed. The sports books are correcting it. They're buying into the wagon Canucks. Logan Van, Logan Van Dyke in the chat said, not losing $10 on that. Nice. Try. <laughs> nice try. 
Uh, but anyways, we'll close it out there. Uh, Harm, any final thoughts before we uh, close out? And you're uh, you're in the in the main seat tomorrow. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be comedy seeing uh, seeing us go through the ad reads and figuring that out on the fly. But uh, it'll be fun. Everything's easier when uh, when this wag when this wagging Canucks team is rolling. Yeah, and we'll see if they continue to roll. Uh, Rick Dollywall actually pointed this out on Donnie and Dolly. I want to quickly uh, get this in here. If the Canucks win tonight, it'll be the first time in their history that they have won against all three of those New York teams, the the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils. It'll be the first time that they win all three of those games because, of course, they do all three of those games in rapid succession. So it'll be the first time they win all three on this road trip. So we'll see. We'll see if they pull it off tonight against Bo Horvat and the New York Islanders. Gary Bettman and Jambles. Yeah, yeah, Gary Feminine Shambles. I thought you were going to say something. Uh, but for now, we'll close it out there. For my co-host, Harmon Dylan, our technical producers, uh, Grady Sass and Lachlan Irvin, my name is David Wajali. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.